Bienvenidos a nuestro séptimo episodio de nuestro podcast Watchame Testimonios of Resiliencia. My name is Rosario Domínguez. Y yo soy Nancy Domínguez Fred. And in today's episode, we have invited Mario Vega. He will share his journey of earning his bachelor's degree after 12 years due to many life cir circumstances. Mario is li a living testimony of how non-traditional college students navigate difficult and important life events, but still, still achieve their academic dreams. Uh, Mario, we are so happy to have you here with us today. Thank you for accepting our invite. Thanks. Um, here's a little bit about Mario Vega before we start the conversation. Okay, so Mario was born in San Luis Potosí, Mexico, and at two years old, he moved with his family to the south side of Chicago. Mario recently graduated with honors from UIC with a bachelor's degree in political science and a minor in psychology. He has worked as a community faith-based nonprofit Sorry, no. He has worked as a legislative aide for a state senator and is currently in the director of mentoring for a community faith-based nonprofit org in West Humble Park. Mario's work in the community has been featured in a documentary produced by the Audience Network called Beacons of Hope, for those who have maybe watched it, alongside other faith-based leaders in Chicago. Mario is also a 13-year veteran of the Air National Guard, where he serves as an aerospace mechanic and is also a recipient of the Air Force Commendation? Yeah. Commendation Medal for an act of courage. Mario and his wife Lorena live in the south side of Chicago, and they have a beautiful two-year-old daughter. In their free time, they enjoy going on walks together and exploring the city. Okay, so thank you so much once again for being yeah. here with us. We wanted to get started with asking you if you can share a little bit about um, where and when your college career or journey started. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so uh, I actually started at 19 years old. So when I was uh, 16 years old, I was actually living in Chicago, and then my parents ended up moving um, to Florida. And um, once we got over there, uh, I finished my sophomore year, junior year, sorry, sophomore, junior, junior, senior year, and then um, right away I managed to get into college. Uh, over there, you know, I, when I was in school, here in Chicago, I was an IB, so, you know, I had like, when I graduated high school, I was taking a bunch of AP courses mm -hmm. and different things, so I graduated with a four plus GPA and I had a pretty high SAT score. Um, and so, yeah, so when I was 18 years old, you know, like I, you know, just, just because of all that and my academics, I ended up getting letters from like Harvard and Yale and Stanford and uh, and the White High School of Diplomacy. And um, yeah, like when I was young, I remember telling my mom, like, hey, like, this is cool. Like, you know, Stanford said like, hey, you just, just you know, submit the application. We'll waive the fee, we'll waive like this, the essay. And I remember telling my mom, like, look, like there, I got these letters, this is dope. And you know, like my mom, you know, who's very supportive and incredible person, for some reason at that time, you know, said like, uh, she's like, Mijo, but you know, like you've never been out of the house. You haven't even been away from us for longer than a weekend. Mm. And it's the and basically, you know, she kind of made me doubt myself. I remember talking to my school counselor at, at at the high school, and the high school that I went to in Florida was like not like like I would say the most like accepting high school. Like I got detention for speaking Spanish in in, in oh, school. Wow. And then like uh, I even get yeah, I got detention so many times just because I'm speak, I was speaking Spanish and. When I actually got there, you know, I went from like taking AP courses as a sophomore, and then when I went to the high school, and I said I was a Spanish, you know, my Spanish was my first language. They put me in remedial classes, mm -hmm. and so like they put me like I was literally taking like physics, and then next thing I know, like they put me in remedial math, mm -hmm. and so like the school was basically when I talked to my counselor, the same one that put me in all those classes in the remedial classes, 
um, you know, I'm like, hey, like I got these letters. She's like, well, like she's like, let's be real. Like you're not gonna make it there wow. if you go there. It's like, but here's a beautiful community college you can go to. Mm. And so yeah, long, long story short is that you know, like uh, in high school, like basically, like with my parents, you know, when my mom freaking out about me leaving the house and the counselor basically kind of putting down the notion of me going to like an Ivy League school or something, I just kind of went like, all right, but, and I just went to uh, FIU, Florida International University. Okay. And that's kind of where I started off um, my college at 19 years old. Same thing, political science, everything. I, I went in there with a Florida Bright, Bright Future Scholarship because of my GPA. And my college was basically more or less like free. Like I, I worked in the summer to pay it off, but yeah, the first few, the, the like first few semesters was at FIU in, in Florida. So from the beginning, um, they were already doubting. Like even though you were a, like an IB student, an no. honor student, they were doubting that you couldn't, like that you could go to an Ivy League school. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. It, the, that's the other funny thing. Like in that school, in high school, where I was when I when I got to Florida, like literally the only Mexicans there was me, and my brother. Like that's it. So it was. Yeah. A very yeah, racist like, environment. Yeah, it was just like yeah, like you know, like we have diversity here. Like yes. Me and my brother are the diversity. Yeah, we are the diversity. Like, how do you feel about the diversity in school? Like, me and my brother are it. So but, yeah. there was like you can you couldn't you didn't report the counselor I'm assuming, right? Like there was like the, nothing probably would have happened if you would have reported. Yeah, that. I mean it's one of those things too where you're like you're young, you're like in a whole. Yeah. I mean I grew up in the south side of Chicago, yeah. and then all of a sudden like I find myself in a space where like now you know I'm I'm the I'm actually the minority mm. in Chicago. I never felt like the minority. Right. Go to that area and I'm like oh now I understand I am the minority and people you know people will go up to me and you're like. You're you're from the south. You're, you're from the south side of Chicago. You're Mexican, like so. You must be ghetto. I'm like, yeah. It's like, like I'm not ghetto. Like, you ever have you ever been shot at? Like, well, yeah, but like that's not the point. Like, it's like, <laughs> yeah. So, um, was there a specific reason why you moved from Chicago to Florida? Like, what? Yeah. Took your family there, and how did how did your fam family's life change when you moved to Florida? Yeah. So, especially, um, so this is actually moments that kind of preceded the recession. Um, so one thing that happened, I don't know if you guys know about like predatory like lending and, and different things to like that and subprime mortgages, but uh, long story short is that the banks at that point were basically giving out loans to people um, that wouldn't normally qualify for like loans, right? Mm -hmm. And it was very incisive. It was very like, oh, this is almost too good to be true, and it was. Mm -hmm. And so um, I remember like my mom would come home and they used to be like, you know, here in 26th Street or in Little Village, they would have like these newsstands and they, you know where you could just pick up newspapers and they were free and like in there there was just like things about like move to Florida you know mm -hmm. get this loan mm -hmm. you know you know literally like build a home of your dreams yeah. and so like me and my parents my parents you know were worked at a factories and work hard but on the side we had like our like our little restaurant business right mm -hmm. we would do catering we would work on the weekends mm -hmm. together as a family and so we started making money and so my mom's like well like you know we, we came to the United States for a better life, you know, like in Chicago, you guys have experienced, you know, trauma and, 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 and violence and things like that. And so for her, my dad, this was just like, you know, this is the opportunity for us to move to a place where it's safer, where it's like, you know, nice. yeah, nicer, you know, aesthetically. And so, yeah, so like my, you know, my mom and my dad, you know, fell victim to that predatory lending where mm -hmm. they moved to Florida and they took on a mortgage that at first was like good, but then, you know, eventually, I mean, they were paying like close to like three to five grand a month. a month. And we had a restaurant, we actually had a restaurant over there. Um, once we got over there, we opened up a restaurant, everything was going good, but then everybody started like, you know, uh, foreclosing on their houses. Mm -hmm. And the neighborhood that I was in, which is all Latinos, um, they all like started disappearing. Mm -hmm. 
And everybody, it's funny because like literally like everybody that was there was like from New York, from the, all these different areas. They had moved there. Yeah, they moved there because of the same reason as my parents. Yeah. And then like they wouldn't last a year. Like so, they were able to get a huge house. Like a huge house. Been. Yeah. Like yeah. The, I mean, the house that I like, I, I literally like grew up in like a a room that used to be a closet, and I shared my space with the furnace, right? And so like <laughs> that was literally it's like my bed, and then the furnace, and then when I moved to Florida, the house that we had. You know, we had like a 20-foot pool in the back. We were had wow. a river. We had intercoms to talk to each other. Wow. And so, like, and so, yeah, so, it's, you know, unfortunately, my parents did fall victims to that, you know, to the predatory loaning practices. And, and yeah, like, you know, once we, once I was, like, a freshman in college, like, the unfortunate part, too, is that, you know, it's like, as a young Latino, my parents, you know, both have college degrees in Mexico, right? But the experience that, you know, when they came here to the United States, um, they basically, you know, lived through the, you know, the, the experience of like Latinos that moved to the United States for the first time. Mm-hmm. And so when I went to college, like I, I didn't even know like terms, quarters, yeah. like I didn't know anything. Yeah. And like, you know, once I got over there, it was just basically like, you know, people were just like giving me alcohol left and right. And like, it, it, like my GPA and everything just kind of dropped. And so, yeah, like my parents at that point too, because of the predatory loan lending and everything, at that point they, they started like, we can't keep up with this. Yeah. And actually one of the things that also happened was that um, the Latino population over there was like also targeted for pyramid schemes. That's kind of oh. when it blew up. And so my mom was like, I remember telling her, she's like, I had like 10 grand saved up and she's like, well, like, this is our last chance. It was just like, <laughs> I'm like, seems like a pyramid scheme. It's like, it's not. I'm like, the way you're describing it, it it's literally, a it's a pyramid scheme, but like, you know, like, so when your parents are really like, you know, like, uh, you know, you see that sense of desperation and you yeah. want to do something about it, you hope for the best. And I, young, naive, gave them the money. And then like that, that, that was, yeah, that was basically Went it. Away. Yeah. So then, um, so then you guys, I'm assuming you guys lost the house and yeah. the restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. And the, did you have to, did you move back? You ended up moving back here or did you move somewhere else and like, how, how did that affect your schooling, right? Because you were like settled in, yeah. know, there was stuff going on in the background. You were going to school in yeah. Florida. Can you walk us a little bit through that? Yeah. So, so yeah. So this kind of, well, this is something that I remember about that kind of hurt me, right? So like my mom always wanted a garden in Chicago and we couldn't do that because of the space. Mm-hmm. We got to Florida. My mom finally built a garden and she was finally like getting to the point where it was just like, this is it. She's got like her nopales. She's got mm-hmm. like her chile. She's got everything. And then all of a sudden, you know, the news came that we just couldn't do it anymore. Yeah. And they foreclosed on it. They foreclosed on the home. And we were literally, like, chased out by the next person that was coming in. Wow. It's like this angry guy just came in and one morning said, you guys got to get out. This is my house and blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, so, like, you know, my parents had to foreclose on the house mm-hmm. and lost the business, lost everything. And uh, basically, you know, we came in, my parents came into the United States after two years of working hard. They bought their first house, worked hard, got the restaurant, got the business, moved to Florida, and seemed like it was going well, opened up a restaurant, and then all of a sudden, within like a year and a half or two years, everything just went crashing down. And so for me, you know, like I like I said, like I did good in high school, high GPA, high CT scores, but once I got to college, I had like no direction. I wasn't really sure what I was doing. Like I was literally like, even like setting up your schedule, like I had a class like at eight in the morning, and then I had one at 8 p.m. because I didn't know how to, yeah. how to balance that. Yeah. And so, like, yeah, like, you know, I literally, like, when my parents left, they're like, we're leaving, and we have to go back to Illinois, because Illinois was still, was, was where, you know, the only family that we had in, mm-hmm. in the United States. So mm-hmm. I was just like, was, like, I'll finish out my semester. And when I finish my semester, I'm like, 
with my parents leaving and I couldn't, I was in, it's in Miami, like I couldn't afford living yeah. in Coyote or Hialeah. And so it's just like, and my, my scholarship was actually based out of Florida. So I had to be a Florida resident. Mm. So it's like either A, like I, you know, I become homeless and go to college and stay there or B, I go back with my family. Yeah. So yeah, at one point it was just like, unfortunately because my GPA dropped so low and everything went bad, like, you know, there was, it wasn't, you know, physically, physically or yeah, Emotional. but financially Financial. sustainable for me to stay yeah. there. So I literally like dropped everything and had to move back to uh, to Illinois. So um, talking about the what happened to your parents, um, we researched and we saw that between 2007 and 2015, nearly one in five housing foreclosures in the U.S. occurred in predominantly Hispanic communities. So why do you think that Latino families maybe were an easy target for, for these predatory yeah yeah actions. I, I kind of just speak from my parents point of view and like I said like a big part of it was the fact that you know that they were hopeful for it mm-hmm. and and you know they obviously came to this country to to want to do better right mm-hmm. and I think you know that a lot of like big institutions and banks saw that right mm-hmm. and, and and the other unfortunate part is that you know when you think about financial literacy and different things like that like especially like in brown and black communities, you know, in in more you know like financially you know, like wealthy communities, you know, parents are able to kind of pass that knowledge about yeah. financial literacy, generational wealth. In a lot of brown and black communities, you really don't have like that that knowledge of like, hey, like here's a bank, right? Mm-hmm. In in like, for example, like in Chicago, like in brown and black communities, it's actually where you have the most amount of like currency exchange stations, right? Yeah, you have less banks. And so, like you know, the idea that you you make it you make a paycheck, mm-hmm. and then you have to basically pay someone to get the money from your mm-hmm. paycheck. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so like you know, I think a lot of banks basically you know used as as like hey, you know, these are this is an easy an easy target for us to kind of you know be able to get into these you know subprime mortgages, unfortunately. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's um, that's so unfortunate that like they kind of sold the American dream, like taking advantage, you know. Of- like I'm assuming it happened to a lot of people mm-hmm. um, and also a lot of like individuals your age probably went through similar stuff that they had to like leave, you stop their lives and go back to you know to other states yeah um, but how did that affect you um, like your, your college journey right like you moved yeah. back to Illinois yeah. did you continue going to school or did that like put a pause on your studies yeah so you know when I came back like I said my GPA was just like trash like 1.2 GPA right wow it was like I didn't even know it could go that low right <laughs> Any any lower is just like you're yeah. basically hitting negative, right? It's the, but so yeah, when I came back, it's just like I, I you know I I basically went to college, and at the end of like two semesters, I had nothing to show for it, or mm-hmm. yeah, like a semester and a half, I had nothing to show for it except for debt, yeah. and I couldn't qualify for any other kind of like you know like I guess I could have gotten like grants and loans, but you know, but when it came to like it might you know from my academic and merits, it just wasn't there. Yeah. And so I remember when I came back and I was just like, all right, like, you know, the more immediate need was just like, we need a place to live. We need right. something like that. Right. And so like my mom and dad right away went to work in factories and I'm, you know, I started applying for jobs. And then when I started applying for jobs, I realized like the only thing that I qualified for was the same thing, hmm. you know, working in factories. And I was just like, man, I literally, you know, I was in gifted from first to eighth grade. And then mm-hmm. in high school, I was in honors. And, mm-hmm. and at the end of all that, the only thing that I have to show for is basically just like, you know, student debt and yeah. the ability to the only thing I qualify for is for like, you know, blue collar work, mm. which I think against blue collar work, but I was just like, yeah. I didn't study or worked all that's basically kind of just like end up making, 
you know minimum wage and so yeah like like i was just like i feel like i feel like i was in a rut because like i'm like i want to go to school but i can't afford it my gpa is, is horrible my parents were struggling financially and you know i think one day you know like i was taking my mom to work and like uh, I, you know, I would drop her off at this factory, and then like you know, one day she wasn't coming out. Like, why is she coming out? So like, I went inside, and I remember like, you know, one of the last visions that I had of Florida was my mom working in her garden, mm-hmm. and her being so happy, and you know, in her mind, it's like you know, we made it. Yes, mm-hmm. i And then I go, and she's basically in a factory, and she's standing in front of this conveyor belt, grabbing like nails, and mm-hmm. little like eight hours, eight eight ten hours a day, standing up, time. putting them in a Ziploc bag, and it's just like. No windows, everything's gray. There's like a little light bulb. It looks like wow. horrible, and it's just like, man, like at that point, I was just like, I, I gotta do something, right? Like I wow. felt like I was a burden on my family, and um, I was actually, you know, going to church at one time, and one of the pastores, um, he quoted things like Gabriel Iglesia Lorca, and he said, "Este, el ser humano no nace cuando sale del vientre de su mamá, pero cuando se hace valer por sí mismo una y otra vez." Mm-hmm. And so at that point, I was just like, well, I'm like, I'm a burden. Like I felt like a burden, right? Mm. To my parents, I'm like I'm just literally there mooching off of them. I can't do anything, so I, I'm like I'm gonna pack up my bags and I move to Chicago, like back to Chicago. I have no idea why, <laughs> but I'm like this is what I'm doing, and I'm gonna move to Chicago and I'm make it on my own. And they said that when they were working in those factories, they were in Florida. They stayed. No, no, no. So yeah, so like no, when they so yeah, once they went bankrupt and lost everything, um, my tia and my tios were living in the Quad Cities, which is about oh, three hours okay. away from here. Okay. So mm-hmm. we ended up going to the Quad Cities. And then you, and just, living there. you you decided to come by yourself. Yeah, to, come so back to, like Chicago. to Chicago. Yeah. So yeah, it seemed like, um, and that's that started like your delay on the like twelve year journey of yeah. finally graduating, right? And it seemed like it started off a systematic issue because you were an honor student, you had all the potential, but then this systematic event happened, and it kind of you were now in survival mode like you were thinking okay how do i i want to go to college but i need to work mm-hmm. and um and also like i feel like a burden to my parents i need to go figure figure things out right so when you arrived to chicago like what other things happened uh did you go back to school right away or like what was that like yeah. your time in, yeah so yeah the first few months i was actually like living in my car like oh. it was cold it was like and that's the other thing i probably should have thought about it Better ahead of time, but I moved over when it was winter. Oh, okay. And it's like I had a, I had my cubica de San Marcos that I still have to this day. Mm. Super dope. Product placement. <laughs> but like, oh, but seriously, like I had a cubica de San Marcos and I wrap around like a burrito and I just sleep in my car. Oh man. And that's how I li- that's how I sustain myself. And I you know started working at Subway, and I you know people were like why are you? you know I started losing weight like a lot of weight, mm-hmm. and people were like you know why are you, you know how are you losing so much weight? And it's like I'm on the Subway diet. Like I, I'm I'm the Subway mm. diet is not the sandwich. It's not like I'm literally living off of their weight, right? Mm. And so it's like they're giving me like what, what I'm yeah. making is it's not enough and so yeah like at one point I'm like I have to get back to school I have to do something right um, like I can't you know I'm, li- I'm literally living in the streets and then I, that's when I'm like I joined the military you know mm-hmm. the military was like a viable option you know before I, I would never have thought like it, you know this is something that I want to do mm-hmm. right. but my parent my brother same thing he basically decided to join the Air Force mm-hmm. and so I'm like well if he did it yeah. like I'm gonna do it because mm-hmm. I need to figure something out so like at 19 years old like I, I enlisted um, and before enlisting you know you have to take like a test mm-hmm. so same thing like I was super broke like I had no money so I would literally just go to the library and just like study 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 yeah. until I took their practice test and scored 100 on it wow. over and that's over awesome. and over again and then finally took the test and I, that's how I got the qualifications and I joined the Air Force like at 19 wow. um, out of need for money but also thinking of like I want to get college done right yeah mm-hmm. yeah the benefits 
and then like their bonus is like it's like was it like yeah. and it's, it's funny because like you know back in the day you know i was against the war of iraq and all this other stuff and then you know like when i joined the military like a lot of friends were like well like <laughs> like where, like where, where like where was that mario at and it's just like dude like they give me 15 grand like they give me like thirty thousand dollars and it's just like yeah. it's like you it's like you sold your soul for 30 like I, i've done dumber <laughs> for less money oh, but yeah. you know it's a it's a young person that's like literally living in the streets and it's just like you see that as an option and it's just like yeah. you, you just kind of go for it i guess and it's it's interesting how like you said it's systematic like if you think about it like I work with a lot of Latino students because I, I teach Spanish, but like a lot of them have so much potential, but like educators, administrators, and just the society, we don't understand how much package they're carrying sometimes when they come to our classes. Like you were really brilliant, but then this counselor tells you like, you're not gonna make it, you know? And then not having that like um, knowledge of what the college process is here can also, like you said, put like, what is a GPA? What, you know, like what yeah. is FAFSA? Like what is all that? And like how like a lot that closed a lot of doors, right? Because if you would have had a like maybe a counselor that was supportive, yeah, go to Stanford. Maybe you would have gotten a full right. Like we will never know, right? Yeah. But like like and then and then you go you, like this is my my option. Um, can you tell us a little bit about your time there in the in the Air Force and like did yeah. you know like um, did you also join because I know that, that they can pay for your college? Like that, that was that kind of like that still was, a dream in your head? Like yeah, maybe I, mean, I can go to college if I. You know, yeah. pay for it if I if I mm-hmm. do this. Yeah, I mean that you know that was that was a dream. You know, like the idea yeah. is just like, you know, not of just having a job, but having like a career yeah. and a vocation. Yeah. And so yeah, that was like literally like you know the the big motivator, right? Um, you know, and it's kind of funny because I remember like you know once I was in boot camp, and we were getting close to the end, and you know there's like something called immunity hour, mm-hmm. where like you literally like close to the end, right before graduating. Like you get to sit down, everybody has a group with your your drill instructor, and he's like, you know, the whole entire time he's basically like your worst enemy. And then in that hour, it's it's, it's almost turns into Barney, right? It's like we're all we're all here, we're all friends, we're all like I've been to where you guys are at, and we're all talking about like there, right? And it's and it's kind of interesting because like you know we're in a room with like about forty guys, a lot of them like you know from like the marginalized, you know, parts of America, a lot mm. of brown, black, and especially like poor white. And everybody's there, and it's interesting because we start going around the circles like, "Why are you there? Why are you there?" Mm. Literally, like almost everybody's just like, "I like I need the benefits. Like mm-hmm. either it's either healthcare or like I need education, right. or you know I need like a place to live." And this was literally like three square meals. This one guy would always say like three square meals a day, place to live, and a purpose. <laughs> I'm like, All right. I, it's um, it's like if they target uh, these like low income neighborhoods. I remember at Bogan like. This guy from the Marines kept calling me, and I'm like, dude, I'm not gonna join the <laughs> Marines. I'm going to college. She's like, well, how are you gonna pay for it? Uh, you know, loans. And he's like, do you really want to be in debt? Like, he was just like, if you join us, you can pay all for it. And I'm like, yeah. I am not joining the Marines. Don't well, call me again. Yeah, I mean, well, that's kind of one of the things, <laughs> yeah. right? Like, and especially because I work down in the community, right, in the South Side, and a lot of these high schools, like, what you see, you don't see like college, you know counselors coming to the schools to recruit mm-hmm. what you see is a lot of like you military. know our military people coming into recruit you have more recruiters yeah. and so like with a lot of the kids that i work in the community like they're like they're really smart high gpa it's like hey what are you doing after college like i'm joining the military he's like I'm like but you're you, you you get college for free like you know that right because yeah. you're graduating with a, in chicago if you're a college high school student you graduate with a 3.0 and higher and you take the placement test and you pass, you know, the first years of school are free. Mm. And it's just like, but a lot of people are like, yeah, but my cousin's in it, my tio's in it. It's just mm. like, I'm like, you know what? Like, literally, if your cousin, your tio's, and all of them were, in, were like, were in college, and that's what you saw, it would yeah. be like an easy, an easy yeah. transition. But yeah. because everybody that you have is in the military, 
And so same thing with me. Like I wouldn't have done it if my brother wasn't in it. And then my sister joined, like after oh, I did. Wow. So, so the whole like the, all yeah, of us. All <laughs> of you guys joined. Um, so then did you did you continue? Like are you a lot? Like are you allowed to continue college while you're in the military? Or like yeah. did you join, how yeah. did you join the? How back? long were you there? And like yeah. So like yeah. I mean, my training lasted about nine months. Um, okay. Mine's one of the longer trainings. Okay. Um, just because like it's it's like a lot more technical. Yeah. Um, but once I came back, it was just like you just have to come back and show up once like once a month. Okay. And so, like, at that point, it's just like, all right, bet, like, now I can go to school. Right. And, like, and that's what I did. I started going to school. But then, you know, at the same time, like, unfortunately, like I said, I have no fam. I had no family in Chicago, right? Mm -hmm. I'm like, okay, like, sweet, like, my school is free, but, like, I still need a place to live. Right. I still need to pay my bills. Like, I, you know, like, I, like, I, like... I, I couldn't even afford cricket. I mean, that's how bad it was, right? Oh. And, I, and, it, and it's like, and it's like, like oh, hating on cricket, but it's... I use cricket. <laughs> <laughs> it's really She's affordable. Like, <laughs> Everything no. unlimited is affordable. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm just kidding. But no, like, like, I remember like my, my tia would come by and visit me, right? And my mom and dad were still working, so couldn't come visit me. But my tia would basically... I wouldn't say snitch on me, but she'd be like, <laughs> you know, she'd go back and be like, you know, like I went to, you know, they call me Beto because my middle name is Alberto. Like we went to Beto's house and he, like literally like, it's like, I, my dinner was this. It was like literally a piece of toast, grab a can of tuna, pop it open, dump it in there, roll it up like a little taco. And that's, and that was my dinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's just like, and so like, same things, you know, like I wanted to go to school, but then it was also like the needs of like wanting to like have a place to live that was mm-hmm. decent. I mean, Basic needs, right? Yeah. Like a good dinner, a place, warm place to sleep. Yeah. yeah, I was actually talking to my wife about this yesterday, right? Actually, this morning because we were talking about you know just where I, how we how we've like changed. But like when she first when we first started dating, I remember like uh, she came by and, and I was like I wanted I told her yeah we're gonna watch a movie, and like literally it was like my laptop on top of a foldable chair. And a futon, but without a mattress. It was just like the, it was just like literally just just the metal. And it's just like and it's just like and, and, and so we had to move the chair like like, like in that moment right. I knew she was a kid. Yeah, like at that point it's like and, it was, and it's funny because you know after I joined the military and everything, my mom goes like it's just, you know like kind of like at that point she didn't know my wife at that point, but she goes like you know just be careful that that is that you know that she's not in, in it for the money and this is like that. Like mom, like literally if you saw where we were at. You, that you would you would realize that's not at all, but it's yeah. The, but yeah, like it's just like you know at one point you just want to do better for yourself, yeah. especially because at that point a lot of my friends that went to college had already started graduating, yeah. and you saw them and you know yeah. they were like doing great things mm-hmm. and you see yourself and I'm just like man I'm still like living literally three blocks down from where I, from where I grew up mm. in public housing like I have like literally like. Like my, even the carpet that was there is not mine. It was literally the someone left it there, right? <laughs> no, it didn't, it, like I didn't even have a, I didn't even have like a like a like a like a mattress. And so like was, so I ended up like you know getting a job, and it was actually for another like nonprofit agency in the south side of Chicago. And I was it was like public housing, right? Mm-hmm. And so the original job that I had was just answering phones. And so um, I, I, you know, my mom always told me, actually everyone always told me, not just my mom, but like basically whatever you do, do it to the best of your abilities because every single day you're basically working up to your next promotion. Yeah. In that job, I basically kept getting promoted, promoted, promoted to the point that I actually became, in, within four years, I became uh, the, the facilities director. Mm. Uh, and it was like one of the biggest like uh, public like housings in the entire city. It's like a thousand apartments, a hundred wow. buildings. And I was in charge of all of that. And it's one of those things where it's just like, you know, it's just like, do I want to keep going to school or do, you know, do I want to keep making money? Mm-hmm. And it's just like, you know, I feel like when you have like the support of like have, knowing that your family is there to back you up right. and, and you have like different like things, like alternatives, it's more easier to be like, nah, like I'm good. I'm going to. I'm going to college. Yeah. yeah. But I didn't have that. Right. 
because yeah. it's just like if if I don't if I don't work like what am I gonna do? And so fortunately, like I did, you know, like it's I was going part time, but I was also working like about sixty hours a week. Mm. So it came out to the point where it's just like man, like. And and at this point I'm like if I'm going to school I want to like I always say like 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 I always like to bargain shop so it's like if school is free and they're paying for everything I might as well go for two like you know yeah. not just a bachelor's I'm gonna go for my I was actually trying to go for bas- two bachelors at first mm. like I might as well add in another one right two for the yeah. price of one <laughs> and so yeah but at that point it just got really hard and I was trying to keep my GPA up and everything else so it's just like going part time and it's just at one point it was just like too much too much yeah so after um, you were working in that public housing place um what what happened next did you find a way to go to school full-time yet or where did you go next yeah so like it was 2016 in the beginning of every single year like i always do like like 30 or 20 days of fasting and praying right where i just kind of pull away from the world like seclude myself you know spend time in prayer and just kind of like thinking like what's my next move what's the next thing that i'm gonna do so in those 21 days like it's it's funny because like i just got married bought my bought my house um, and just got promoted. But in that moment, I, you know, like in my mind, you know, I felt deep down inside that like, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. This is not what I, what I wanted to do. This is not when I was 13 years old that, you know, when I basically like, you know, thought about where I was at and where I was living and, and everything else, like this is not the vision that I had myself for as an adult. And so I literally like, I think after coming back from my honeymoon, I lasted about two weeks. And then I'm like, all right guys, like, this is it, like I'm out. Like I'm dipping out and be like, what? Like, yeah, like I'm, this is it. Like I'm, I'm leaving. Like from the military. No, no, not from the military. From my, from my regular. Oh, from your regular job. Yeah, okay. From a regular full time job, and I literally just told my supervisor, I'm like, hey, like, I, like I just spent 21 days, and she knew about this, and like it's like that I spent about 21 days fasting, and so she's like, no, like I totally understand. Like, do you want a promotion? We'll give you a promotion. Like, no, I'm good. <laughs> and so like I at, at 2016, I just you know made the call, like a fate call that I don't know how. But I knew one way or another that I was going to like, you know, make it through and, and do the things that I was supposed to do. And so at twenty in twenty sixteen, um, I quit my job. You know, luckily my wife was still working. You know, as down the, you know in the neighborhood, and so, you know, I just dedicated myself to going to school full time. And mm-hmm. at that same time, is when you know when I didn't have a job, I'm like I'm, I'm going to dedicate myself and my time. Mm-hmm. to like working in the community serving as much as I could to whatever capacity I could mm-hmm. and so I started helping out with like the food pantry and started doing all these things like here like at New Life where I work now um, for the church side mm-hmm. and so um, once upon a time like um, I started getting really involved with like the young people right mm-hmm. in, in the community and so um, I was actually supposed to be preaching on a Saturday and that same week that I was supposed to be preaching like on a Tuesday like I still remember this like on a Tuesday morning I was like out in front we just went like i was hoping out at the local food pantry here in the same church and we just got done picking up a bunch of like food and we were basically unloading it and as i'm loading it like uh right across the street there's like a corner store mm-hmm. and um this one guy was like exiting and it was a young guy in the community and somebody came up to him you know false flagged him you know he's mm-hmm. representing gangs and he ended up shooting him like he just emptied out the clip shot him up yeah like right, yeah right in the corner wow and so, you know, when that happened, I, you know, I ran up to him, like after the shooting subsided, you know, one of my other friends was there. He basically followed the guy because there were kids across the street yeah. in a school and they're all in the playground. And so one of the guys that I was with went to go check up and tell him to go inside. The other person followed the guy to make sure he was leaving. And I, you know, went, I ran straight at, at you know, the person. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, when I saw that, like, I kind of saw like a glimpse of like, you know, what it, 
for me, like my faith is, is, is basically everything, right? My faith mm-hmm. is kind of like the sun, you know, not only because I see it rise every single day, but through, you know, through the sunlight, I'm able to see everything else. And so, like, when I saw that, you know, I saw people that basically ran, right? And I don't blame them for it, right? Yeah. Self-preservation, it's, yeah. it's like, it's... it's, it's Survival yeah. mode. Yeah. It's good, right? I saw a mom picked up her daughter and run, and I, I don't blame them for that. But, you know, I think about, like, you know, for me and the church and what it, what it means for me to live out my faith, you know, I, you know, the person who was out on the ground, he was bleeding, right? Like, it didn't matter who he was, whether he deserved it or all that other stuff, right? That was somebody's kid who was that who was bleeding out and, and you know on the streets. Mm-hmm. So I gave him first aid, and you know, like in the basement of the church, we always had, like a like I call them las abuelitas, like they're the ones that are like always volunteering, always helping mm-hmm. out. And so when I went to go help them, like they made a circle around me and started praying, wow. and they provided protection from anybody coming in retaliating or any. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, wow. so like you know, for me it was just like, you know, thinking you know thinking and talking about God, it's just like why did you show me this, you know, this 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 thing or make me be part of this, like literally the day before, you know, a few days before I'm supposed to preach. get in front, you know, preach to a bunch of young guys in, in the community. Mm. And so, you know, like it felt like a like a big calling that this is what I'm supposed to be doing. And I'm like, this is it. Like, boom, like I got it. Like, this is literally why I left my job. This is why I'm, I'm going back to school. And like, this is it. And then literally I, when that happened, I ended up deploying. Like literally it's just like, <laughs> you're leaving. At the end of the, at, yeah, in October, in October at the end of the year, I'm like, you're, like I was gone. Mm-hmm. And I remember being like, heading over to the desert. I was like, I was like, you know, praying to God, like, what was that? <laughs> like I thought, I thought I was doing the thing and it was good. Yeah. And now like, what, like I'm now deployed, I'm here. Yeah. yeah. And so like, even then like in the desert, you know, thinking about everything yeah. and thinking about what's my purpose? What am I going to do when I come back? I started reading this book. It was called Where the Cross Meets the Street. Mm. And it's by this author named Noel Castellanos, who's actually also from oh, the neighborhood. Castellanos, yeah. yeah. And, uh, I and think s- he talks about my mom in that book. Oh, really? Yeah. He said he mentions my mom. Or Paco said that uh, Noel Castellanos mentions my mom. That oh, she used Noel to Castellanos. Noel Castellanos, yeah. yeah. I think he mentions my mom. Yeah. I don't know if it's that book, but I know in a, one of his books, yeah. he mentions my mom. Yeah. yeah. Well, re- really, really? Well, like, not her name, but he, yeah, it's her. In reference. Yeah. Might have to look it back up Yeah. Again. But yeah, so like I started reading his book and what he did in a little village and that's mm-hmm. what he was doing. And I remember thinking in my mind, I'm like, I want to do that. That's what I want to go back and that's what I want to do. And that's what I feel the calling for. And then like out of nowhere, like uh, Pastor Matt, who's the executive director of New Life Centers, you know, he hits me up while I'm deployed. And I thought he was joking, right? He goes like, hey, when are you coming back? We want to offer you a position. I'm like, yeah, right. Like you guys have never had any money to like, <laughs> like, offer any positions. But I'm like, I thought he was joking. He's like, no, for real. I was like, what? And so I interviewed while I was over there. Wow. And like, I got the job while I was literally like overseas. I remember like, we had a call and I'm like, like bunkered up yeah. and like over Zoom and like the call was starting. But long story short is that I remember reading through the book and the part that got to me was this one part where it talks about like, um, like Jesus' vision of like Israel and says like, I want to see the streets filled with the laughter of children. And I want to see people grow to be old. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, that's the vision that I have for, for, for the community I love. And so, yeah, so when I got back from my deployment, coincidentally, like, my first meeting at my job was actually with Noel Castellanos. And, oh, nice. And so it's just like, all right, like, say less. Like, this is, like, I know where I'm supposed to be at. And yeah. so, yeah, and so, like, after that point, that's where I'm, like, not, now I got now I have more of a reason to finish my degree. Mm-hmm. And, you know, the motivation now was that, the interesting part was that as I went and continued the last two years of my degree while working, is that everything that I was learning 
was actually stuff that I was already applying right. and doing in the real world in the community, right? Mm. The idea of social capital, the idea of like different levels of, in, of intercession for like how do you deal with certain topics of violence and, and, and marginalization in communities. Mm-hmm. And I was living that, yeah. and it's funny, like it was a political degree, but I was living through that through like the work in the church. Mm-hmm. And so like it kind of changed my idea of like, you know, like when it comes to my degree, I'm studying political science, do I really need to be in the political world for me to be able to do these things that, oh, okay. and so. Yeah. But you did, um, you were working as in, in mentoring with centers, mm-hmm. but you did take a pause with that and then started working for a politician, right? Yes. So what was that like? What yeah. was that experience? So or, ba- yeah. yeah, so basically kind of like as I did the work in the community, like, you know, you basically collaborate with a lot of different people. And through that, I was able to collaborate with a lot of politicians that are in the area that are really cool people doing stuff. And so that basically led to me... Um, like starting to work for for one of the you know uh, elected officials within the district, and that kind of came up from the same thing. I was in a doc, it was in a documentary that you know from that you know documented the work that I was doing in the community, and that kind of led into that. And so, este, yeah, I you know it was actually happened in my last semester of school when I started doing that, right? And so for me, it was kind of interesting because you know like I feel like it's one of those things where like. Um, I'm getting a degree working for as a staff for a politician, yet I've never like done politics, mm-hmm. and yet I don't have a college. I don't have a political degree, but you know, kind of like as I went to college, and I did my classes, I also did the work in the community, mm-hmm. so that you know, like when I graduate, you know, once I was getting to my last semester, even though like I still hadn't had my degree, I already had all these years of experience mm-hmm. working in different parts of the actual field, and so yeah, so like once I actually switched over, I'm like, all right, like. It's one of those things where I was just like, man, I love the work that I'm doing in the community. I love working with young people. I love doing these things. But I'm like, I've also spent so much time like working towards a degree in political science. And it's just like, this is like literally like someone offered me a position without me having to look for it, mm-hmm. like an open door. I'm like, this is literally it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, yeah, so basically it almost seemed like like it'd be dumb if I'm getting a degree in political science and I don't make the transition. You don't get that job, yeah. Yeah, and but I went and I went and I jumped into it, right? And once I got into it, it was just like, you know, th- I think one of the biggest like thoughts and different things that, that you know that kind of came to my mind is the idea of like vocation versus career. Mm-hmm. It was just like, you know, do you want something that pays the bills and you know you're able to come up in life and society, to, or do you want something that like you feel like you're you're called to do and it's right. a calling more than an actual job? Yeah. And so, like, it's, it's one of those things where, like, literally after, like, completing my degree, because I graduated as I was working yeah. in, 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 a, in a political, in, you know, in the political field, I just literally went, like, now nah, I'm good. You know, like, I, I made that calling of, like, you know, and, but the interesting part is that, you know, even though I left that position, everything that I learned in college and everything that I was working for and everything that I was doing was literally tied into that type of work. Mm-hmm. And so one of the things that I kind of learned in life, and this kind of, like, you know, one of the things that is when we're talking about like the idea of like, you know, you have a vision that like you want to go to college and you want to finish in four years and yeah. and right away get a job and by the time you're 26, you know, married, house, kids, all this other stuff. You know, I think from my experience and what I learned is that it's not exactly like a straight shot or a straight line, right? Mm-hmm. And everything that kind of comes in between is, is, is as valuable or yeah. more valuable than, than what you learn in an actual classroom, right? Yeah. And so, like, I think for myself that even though, yeah, like, yes, I'm, like, I'm a recent college grad, 
Este, Congratulations. Yeah, yes, thanks. congrats. You just graduated. I literally just this graduated. Year, right? Yeah. yeah. Finally. Yeah, finally. It barely, After all those things yeah, happening. It barely got into the mail. Barely got yes. the phone through the mail. So like now it's like now it's official. Like you can't take it back. I have to. Yeah, have it now. it's mine. Yeah, oh my it, it's all. Yeah, it's almost like 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 in boxing when you win the belt and it's just yeah. like it's my belt. Like you yeah, because you worked so hard for it, right? Like yeah, you, and you had to make all these pauses. Yeah. Um, and now you have a new job too, right? Congratulations. Yeah. Thanks. Yes. Yeah. Um, you're the director of mentoring for mm-hmm. for the, the church, not the church. I'm new sorry, life centers. For the new life centers. But yeah. So for how long have you been mentoring youth now? And then, um, what knowledge do you share with them while you're working directly with them? And like, what have you learned from them? Right? Cause yeah. Like, they also come with a lot of knowledge. Yeah. So like, man, you can share yeah. a little bit about that. Yeah, man. Like young guys, man. Like not young guys, like young kids, man. Like they're dope. Like it's one of those things where people say like, yeah, you're gonna learn from them as much as learn from them, and it's like, yeah, okay, like I'm, I'm like I'm an adult, like I'm like, yeah. d- I know, but no, but then I got there and I started doing the work, and I'm just like, these kids are blowing my mind, like mm-hmm. these kids, like when you talk about resiliency and different things, you know, like so like I work inside of the schools, I mean, through them, right? So like I, you know, through the organization, I'm able to go into these schools and work with the kids that people consider high at risk, right? Mm-hmm. And so like I remember this this like perfect example, like this one kid was basically like in trouble because he showed up to math class in his first period without a pencil, right? Mm-hmm. And, mm-hmm. I, and I'm talking to him and it's just like, what te- the teacher basically like this little kid, this kid, not a little kid, but this kid woke up like in the morning at 5 a.m., you know, made breakfast for his siblings, got him dressed, made sure they had everything ready, mm-hmm. got himself ready, got, you know, did everything, got the lunch food or whatever ready so when the mom gets back from work, you know, she's able to cook, got the kids to the schools, Got himself in there, made sure all the homework and everything was completed. And after doing all that, by you know by seven eight a.m., he got in trouble because he forgot a pencil. Wow! And so you know those are the things for it. And, and so you know like you know like I remember this one kid like he, he like we have a running program right, mm-hmm. and we we're training to run like a half marathon right thirteen miles, and he shows up and he goes like he he showed up on a Saturday we ran like eight miles right. Or yeah, no, not even then. I mean, it was like four miles, and it's just like I'm. He's like, all right, you know, like next week, don't come because we're all gonna be running a half marathon. You know, it's like I can run. It's like, what's the most you ever ran? Like today, today was real. We ran four miles. This is 13 miles, and I'm like, you won't be able to do it. Like you need to train more. It's like, no, I'm gonna do it. Like I'm gonna do it. Like I'm gonna do it because he told me that I couldn't do it, <laughs> and so I'm like, all right, or I show up, and he showed up, and not only did he like finish the half marathon he beat me wow and so like you know, and these are things you know like where it's just like you know you think like in my mind i'm like i'm thinking that i'm going to come in and help these you know people that need help okay. what really what i'm doing is that i'm coming into a place where these guys young guys are already doing the work and doing yeah. things to better themselves and i'm just kind of helping them along the way right mm-hmm. and so you know a lot of the stuff that i went that i wish i would have known through college these young guys want to do the same thing that mm-hmm. i did at my age where i wanted to say i just didn't know so, you know, like I, you know, I create programs where like the kids like uh, are able to talk to people in different fields that are Latino también, yeah. that politicians like Rosario. That's it, I spoke out. in one of them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so like I'm able to teach them about like financial literacy, like, yeah. you know, like here's how you open up a bank account. I have right. uh, people that work in, in the banking industry that are also Latino, that are also from the community that come in and tell them like, hey, like I know like, you know, the question is like, can I have like uh, a bank account if I just have an ITIN? Like mm-hmm. can I, you know, what what is what's what's a grant? What what is the difference between a grant and a loan? Yeah, I didn't know that either. Like, yeah. The Pell grant. Yeah. And, okay, thank you for yeah. giving it to me. Yeah, yeah as long like, as you just like, give me money it's for money, college. right? Yeah. But I, I just yeah, you just don't learn that, and that's yeah. really important. So I'm glad that you're engaging them in those conversations. Yeah. So I'm able to do basically like teach young people here that already that want to do better for themselves, that are already doing better for themselves. I'm just equipping them with the tools for them to be able to do what they're already doing, you know, on their own. 
But yeah, yeah, it's it's uh, it's been super super awesome, super dope. And there's kids that I've known, and I say kids, but like that I've known from sixth grade mm -hmm. that are now in college. Wow. You know, like you know, like like last mm -hmm. yeah last March there was a young, uh, this young girl that me and my wife you know met when she was like sixth and fifth grade, and she was young and like you know she got to to her dorm as a freshman and same thing she was like struggling making friends and this and that so me and my wife went to go visit her yes. and it's just things like that you know like yeah, it feels matter. like yeah yeah so uh just to conclude uh what would be your message or advice to others that are listening right now based on your whole um, journey journey yeah um journey like earning professional experience but finally being able to finish college which all along it was still you know in the back of your mind like i need to get this done yeah it's you know the idea that it's like you know it's if you have a plan right that it's gonna happen in four years and everything's gonna be like linear if if it kind of strays away and different things happen that you know don't take it necessarily that it's a bad thing but also kind of take it with strides and know that like a lot of that it's important for the experience of like where do you want to do and where you want to go and even if you're not in school and you're not learning directly in a classroom whatever you get from real life and from real experiences, all that stuff accumulates and all of that can literally lead to wherever you want to go. And so it's like not everything is lost. Yeah. Even if you take a few, you know, detours, detours around the course, <laughs> it's, all, it's, all, it's all gravy if at the end, you know, you get to your destination. Even if that means that you don't want to complete a college degree and you want to do something else, you know, so be it. Mm -hmm. if it's, it's, everybody has different courses and different things and different callings, so. Thank right. you so much. And I think that, like, because of your experiences, like, you're an awesome, you know, you're, you're mentoring in the way that you're really, um, show, like, providing them with the tools that they're going to need to be successful, right? The tools that you wish you had. And I think that you have that special gift that you know exactly, hmm. you know, how to get them there. Like, if it's faster or just, like, being there as a support system for them, which a lot of them, you know, a lot of us don't have as first-generation college students. We kind of are the, you know, we kind of figure it out and create mm -hmm. those That's paths for our, for our family. Yeah. Uh, but thank you so much for sharing your testimony. It's so powerful. I'm, I'm, I'm sure that a lot of people are going to love hearing it. And we wish you the best in your career, right? That it's like continuing because it's not just starting. Like you said, you already had so much experience. And we're just really, really excited to see what the future has in store yes. for you. Y gracias a todos los demás que están viendo por YouTube o escuchando por Spotify. Remember to subscribe to our YouTube channel. Uh, follow us on social media, Instagram, Facebook, as Watch Me Podcast. Y nos vemos al, en el próximo episodio. Adiós. Gracias. <laughs>